Hey there, welcome to Pharma Sessions, a podcast where medical affairs professionals get to learn from each other. I had a great chat with Amber Spirer, Vice President of Patient Affairs at EQRX. We talked about defining the patient journey, why understanding this journey is important strategically, the difference between viewing someone as a patient and as a person, current patient expectations around working with pharma, and even some tactics. A quick note, the views expressed here are mine and Amber's and don't reflect those of our employers. So let's start Pharma Sessions, episode three. Hi, Amber. How are you today? I'm good, John. Great. So let's dive right in. Um, We're talking with Amber, who's, of course, Vice President of Patient Affairs at EQRX. And I want to get started by just asking uh, patient journey, such a something we all hear about, something that is such a focus for so many companies. How do you define patient journey? Great question, John. You know, I think patient journey is more than what many people think is patient journey. You know, people have so many definitions between, you know, when a patient is diagnosed to the treatment they receive and then what happens as a result of that. But I like to think of patient journey as more patient experience or what happens to someone during, you know, this different health moment in their life. And so, Yes, there is these moments of understanding you have a disease and or a condition and then what comes from there. But it's not just your treatment or it's not just kind of, you know, what the disease means to you. It's also how it impacts your life. It's your communication with your healthcare team. It's your communication with your family. So it's many different aspects. So commonly, you know, in different work that I've done, and um, colleagues of mine have talked about, we talk about patient experience, you know, your patient, the experience of someone living with a disease or a condition. Yeah. And the idea of communication with the team or even with family, I don't know, I just went through a very minor thing where I, I like dropped a tree branch on my foot and I broke a toe, right? Or thought I broke a toe. So I had to go get an x-ray and that had to get faxed to the to my doctor's office, but then he also wanted me to get the CD so I could drive. And this is like the most minor thing that didn't even end up being being anything. And so I'm, I'm kind of coordinating coordinating that and coordinate and answering questions for my family who are asking like, what happens if this? And it's questions that I forgot about. And it's just struck me like how this the most simple interaction can be so complicated that like if you're dealing with a chronic disease or something important it's it's got to be that times yeah and then add your emotional journey on that and again like you said you could you're talking about a minor example but if you're going through a life-threatening you know you know diagnosis and you know it's not just the tactical way to get through it because there's so many other elements to it it's how are you feeling what, you know, what do you need? What kind of support do you need? What kind of support do those around you need? You know, I think also in kind of the world of patient engagement, patient advocacy and patient advocacy, we talk a lot about the individual with the condition or with the disease, but we also have to think about the people around them, the caregivers, what are their needs? What is their journey like? So you started with patient journey, but you could even expand that to you know, not just that individual, but the, you know, ecosystem around them that is affected. And so how much of that support do you think needs to or should come from the pharma side? And how much of that support is like, if you think of pharma's role, kind of them connecting to other resources that that may already exist? I think it's interesting. I think 
Pharma needs to understand what that experience is like, because that impacts all different aspects from drug development through, you know, bringing different treatments to patients and, you know, the physician community. But I think then, you know, at certain points in time, there is a role that pharma can play in, you know, providing the right type of services that, you know, could make sense for or collaborating with an external organization like a patient group or other types of entities to, you know, essentially get the best, you know, service or the best approach um, for that individual or for people living with a certain condition or disease. So I think it's a mix. I think everyone needs to understand, pharma needs to understand, and then find what are those right points to support that or to implement something like that for a service abuse. What is the strategic importance to a pharmaceutical company to understand, to truly understand the, the patient journey? I think, you know, it, it really, as I was saying, you know, really affects all aspects of the process for a pharmaceutical company. If you're developing a new treatment, you're, you know, thinking about what treatments, what's most important for patients, what's most important for the people with that disease to, to develop the best treatment for them or the treatment that's next needed. If it's clinical trials, like how do you design a clinical trial in a way that recognizes what someone's life is around in that, you know, patient population or in that condition, you know, mm -hmm. if you're different diseases and conditions, you know, may affect different, you know, age groups and or different genders. And so how do you think about what someone's lifestyle is like? And then how does that implement into kind of what you're putting in for your clinical trial or designing it and hearing from that person, not through a conduit is what's really important, you know, like, how do they feel or what would they need to make that job easier? And then as you go along the life cycle, you say, okay, you know, now that that treatment has come to the market is now available, you know, can people access it? Is it accessible? Like, is there barriers to access or what's happening at the pharmacy counter or what's happening in the communications with a physician about, you know, X is diagnosed, you know, someone is diagnosed with the disease and then they don't even know what to ask for. So there's an empowerment element and some of that comes through the external community. And that's the important part of the importance of these external partners, like patient organizations. But also there is a role that industry can play as well in helping to guide that and kind of look at what matters most and then what's needed at what points in time. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about, you know, having a North Star and, and sometimes they're talking about the science, right? Or it's a scientific communications platform or, or something like that. There's some big 60 page PowerPoint document that is, is the North Star, but it's almost like two North Stars or there's the scientific North Star and then there's the patients who are the people you're actually treating. Um, and I'm like, so some of the things that you had mentioned was the clinical in clinical trials, right? How to recognize what life is like for a patient. C can you help me understand what you mean by that or how that would impact clinical trials? Sure. Like if you're, you know, trying to run a clinical trial and you're looking for women between 25 and 45 who potentially have a family that they have to take care of, if you make that trial or the protocol hard you have to show up every day for, you know, it's an extreme example, but every day for a blood test, or mm -hmm. you have to have an appointment for three hours, you know, every other week, you know, that can impact how that person will choose to join that trial or continue mm -hmm. in that trial. 
even if, you know, and it's, it's hard to imagine, especially with a disease like cancer or another life-threatening condition where, you know, it's easy to say, yes, I need to just be in that trial because this is my hope. But there is living that happens outside that. And it's right. the thing we talk about from a, you know, to your point, from a scientific perspective of, you know, risk benefit, you know, like, oh, we've developed the best molecule, you know, a company may say we've developed the best molecule, the best compound that is going to help cure or help treat this disease. Well, the side effects are completely awful, you know, and so more and more we see, and this comes through insights from patients and the patient community, you see that that's not accepted anymore, or that might not be accepted. And that might become, you know, I don't want to be part of this. These are my potential risks. This is my potential inconvenience. And I don't like to use that word, but inconvenience to be in this trial where I can't pick up my Mm -hmm. children from school. Well, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. And so it all draws back to if you understand a patient or really what I like to say a person, you know, in the context of their life and being, then how do we design a trial or how do we look at what's needed to reflect that? And, you know, the argument will be, you can't design individually, but more and more we have personalized medicine, more and more we have to you know, be understood or understand that differently. Yeah. And so I like the distinction between a patient and a person, because I feel like we always talk about a patient as in like, this is the only thing they're going through, um, but it's not right. And I remember one program I was involved with um, was talking to patients about a clinical trial and they asked some very simple questions. Like, would you rather, um, this was uh, for something that presented at birth. So they were not the patients, they were the caregivers of their infants, but it's like, would you rather stay at the hospital or would you rather stay maybe someplace more comfortable near a hospital? And so maybe the optimistic way of looking at it is like, if you, if you can get to know your population, there are probably some easy wins that you can identify where, you know, to the company, it's no skin off their back if they're putting people up at the hospital or a hotel. But knowing the answer to that actually makes a big difference in recruiting and, you know, adherence and all of that other stuff. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's become more and more challenging. And I think the other element that I would bring up again, as part of this is, the communication aspect and understanding, you know, I, you know, in, in my own, you know, personal health experience, like, you know, you know, I was, you know, you know, getting, you know, treatment at an institution and they just decided when I show up and what I could do and how it could work. And, you know, and, you know, the phrase that we would use commonly is they own me now, you know, it's, it's to them. And, you know, it's not to discourage or just diminish the work that they were focused on or the physician was focused on, which is, to do the proper protocol and follow the right path. But at the same time, it was kind of a lack of patient acknowledgement, you know, or person acknowledgement, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, we're just going to make you sit here for, you know, we, we all say it all the time. And even, you know, you go for your annual physical exam and you sit there and wait at the doctor's office for hours because, you know, they're running behind or whatever happens. But, you know, take that and it exponentially gets more serious if you're you know, under stress, or you are facing a serious, you know, condition or, you know, illness, and then you're not in control of anything anymore. So it's almost there's an element of communication and empowerment and understanding that I think, you know, we're continuing to focus on to say, this is what's important. And this what's going to help and drive, you know, better outcomes for everybody, you know, not just to your point earlier, the scientific outcome, but also 
the life, you know, feeling. Right. So how do you gain that understanding? I think that comes through listening, you know, listening to, you know, patients directly, listening to patient advocates who serve the community and understand, you know, and work for, work with their constituents to understand what are the gaps, the challenges, the needs. Um, I think that can come. There's also so many initiatives that these organizations are doing that help to bring forward, you know, what is most important for people with that condition. So, you know, several years ago, um, the FDA, you know, announced the patient focused drug development initiative, and then that's been evolving over the years. And within that were these, you know, patient voice sessions. And so that's kind of shifted now to the, um, with the success of that, it shifted to the patient community running them. And there's some fabulous voice of the patient reports that start that out, you know, that you listen, you look at and you read and you say, wow, that's the biggest issue that someone is facing or that multiple people are facing. And then from there, you, you know, take that and say, well, what does that mean for our strategy? What does that mean for what we need, we as a company or a company would look at? And then, you know, well, then how do I learn more? You know, do I conduct an advisory board? Do I have a focus group? Do I do some more research? Do I use an online platform to gain some insights and perspectives? So, you know, for me, it's always, you have to start with in, you know, understanding and getting that mm-hmm. understanding. And then you drive that through insights and gathering mm-hmm. more insights and then folding that into a strategy that's going to help, you know, obviously support the organization and the develop, you know, ultimately what is the goal in, as you know, in a company is get the treatments that are needed for patients. you get treatment patients, you know, you get treatments out there. And, um, but how do you do that in a way that builds upon knowledge and understanding? And that's the same with you bring in the other stakeholder perspectives as well. You know, you have to understand, okay, how easy will this be, you know, for physicians, you know, again, it comes with, you know, I think commonly in industry, the focus has been on the other stakeholders more because of, you know, just the way, especially in the US that um, yeah. treatments work. But I think it's shifting a little bit. It's shifted over the years with empowerment of, a, you know, individual who's saying, okay, well, this is what I need to know, or this is what I want to understand, or, and this is what's important to me. Well, it's also a way to question some of the some of your own assumptions right so so i was another person that i'd worked with in the past they had an assumption that their medication it was an injectable and required multiple visits um but it was for it was for children um and it replaced some like really disgusting oral you know oral oral medication they thought the injection would be a negative and people wouldn't want to do it but people said actually this is preventing you know, me from having to get my kid to find, to drink something awful every single, every single day of our lives. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Right. And that is sort of a, it's really interesting because if you're just going by the science, I'm, I don't actually know the answer to this, but I'm sure there's things that say people have a preference not to be stuck with needles. Right. Um, so you could look at that and make some, make a reasonable assumption that would just be plain wrong if you don't, talk to people and have an understanding. Yeah, that's a big thing that's happened, you know, and I'm not, you know, up to date fully on where it is now. But when oral cancer therapies came out, that was a huge thing. It was a very much assumed, everyone's going to want to take an oral because it's just taking a pill. And that's easy. But some of the insights and perspectives was, (laughs) you know, you know, patients felt, you know, people going through that process felt that actually, like, 
getting, you know, IV through you is going to work better, or it's going, mm. it's, it's a feeling, you know, as I, I just put a pill, like a systematic approach, you know, it was very different. And I think that required some education and learning and kind of saying, okay, you know, it's the same or it's similar and it's okay. But, you know, think about that thing, you know, as innovation occurs, we have to, you know, both think about this is great innovation, but then how is it going to be, you know, like you said, what's the expectation? How is it perceived? What does that mean? And so, um, but I always go back to that kind of example because I think it's really fascinating. Like here's, you know, instead of sitting in a chair for three hours, getting an IV, you know, medicine, you're going to take a pill and it's going to be great. But, you know, there have been, and like I said, I think it's evolved over time now, but initially there was some pushback and some people still didn't feel comfortable. It's the same Look, you can talk about telehealth. Telehealth is a whole nother, you know, example there where, you know, depending on the condition and or the disease and kind of what's, you know, I don't think every patient feels good about doing a telehealth appointment with their physician. And we've seen some studies on that, that, you know, the in-person touch, you know, feels you know, it's more personable. It's, you know, it's connected better. And so I think it's great with technology advancements, innovation advancements, but then how do we understand what that impact will be and use that impact, you know, to kind of help to kind of either educate or adjust as needed, you know, based on what the feedback is on that. It's really interesting. And one of the things you mentioned was a disease being kind of a loss of control for people. And back at, at a, in the day when I was doing a lot of virtual ad boards, we were doing them with doctors and you had to pay them significant sums of money to participate, right? And it was always a, a grind to get them to go. And then patients, it was like, you open up the spigot and it would just flow out. And to me, I always thought that that was because you're giving them some level of control of this thing that's that's weighing heavy on them or a big, big part of their life. Um, do you find it's difficult to get patients to open up or do you find that they're pretty willing to uh, to engage? I think they're willing to engage because I think for different reasons, people want to share their story. People want, you know, to see change. You know, there, there's many different reasons why, you know, a patient will participate. I think, you know, you brought it up, so I have to touch upon it. You know, I think we're also advancing, you know, compensation for patients and patient advocates, the patient community in participating in industry related activities like that. And I think it's super important and I'm glad we're finally getting there because, yeah, like there, it, this is someone's perspective. This is someone using their time. This is someone doing something, you know, so we do have to compensate accordingly, you know, and do it the right way. But I do think there is a, you know, it's the same reason you talk through why do people participate in clinical trials? People do it because they're hoping that it helps them. People are doing it because they want to contribute to science and research. People are doing it to set an example or a model of, you know, here's ways that we can engage or connect better and, you know, you know, towards science or innovation. So I think the same with kind of insights and um, those types of activities, it's about different people have different motivations, but ultimately I think there is a broader willingness because I think for so long this community did, wasn't heard or not heard the same way that other stakeholders are heard. And so how do I share that? And also heard directly. And I think that's another key element is that, you know, I can't tell you how you are feeling right now because mm -hmm. you are you and I am myself. So, you know, these types of initiatives help for people to express directly and should be tapped 
directly to share their their kind of feeling, their experience, what's going through their head, and compensated appropriately for it. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a Voice of the Patient article or, or publication that came out not too long ago um, about dementia. Um, I think it was maybe last month. Um, talking to dementia patients. And that was a big part of it. it was like nothing about us without us, I think was the, the term they mm-hmm. used or, or something very similar, um, which it, it might be a common, common saying, but it was the first time I'd heard it. Um, and I thought it was really interesting, particularly, I mean, even with dementia patients, right? They had a lot to add about what it's like being diagnosed, how, what could be done better about their whole, their whole journey about how it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, something treated the way, the way it is, which is basically get your affairs in order and, and good luck to you. And it's like, no, there's actually a lot of stuff that can happen, but hearing it directly from the patient and then seeing that, or I'm assuming bringing that back to the various people, you know, in, in the, on the science side of the business or on the commercialization side of the business, it's, um, I mean, that is really, it's it just seems so important, right? Because that's ultimately like, everybody has their day to day and they're caught up in the details of what they're doing, but that's ultimately the people that are helped or, or not helped depending on how successful companies are. Yeah, no, the, the phrase you used is actually a well-known phrase in the advocacy community because it started through them saying like, stop excluding us, you know, include us, you yeah. know, we are the people, you know, so it's why <laughs> we see more and more integration of, you know, the patient voice and a steering committee for a clinical trial or a development program, why you see, more ad boards that are mixed of patients and physicians, you know, and kind of it's part of the evolution of the space is recognizing that, you know, you can't just march on without bringing that piece into it, you know, and I think all different stakeholders play different roles, you know, it's not to undermine the professionals, you know, and their, you know, views, it's more to complement that and also add that perspective directly. Yeah. So what are you most excited about seeing in this space in the near future over the next, say, three to five years related to how pharma engages with patients? I just, you know, again, I touched upon a lot of it, you know, just how we're kind of helping bring that patient voice even more deeply throughout an organization and more strategically through, you know, an industry and organization, how, you know, with all the good work that, you know, pharma is doing and other, you know, we're trying to solve for, you know, to kind of help create healthier lives and, you know, cure diseases or treat diseases optimally. I think these types of partnerships and, you know, insights are extremely important to just continue getting everything better, I guess, you know, is what I would say. So I'm just looking forward to the continued advancement of, that patient voice through all aspects of the healthcare system. It's not just that kind of one-on-one, it's through the regulatory bodies, it's through the HTA systems, it's through every place that recognize that this voice needs to be heard and is as strong as or equal, you know, strong and equal as the other stakeholders. That's really great. So let's leave it there. Thank you so much for coming today and and for talking. I think this is a, a great conversation and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. Absolutely.